Welcome to the Aging Gracefully podcast. I'm Mary Thompson. And I'm Janae Anderson. Join us as we explore the myths, beliefs, and realities of aging to empower each of us to thrive on all levels, every moment of our lives. It's Janae, and today we are continuing our exploration of brain health. So today we're focusing on what we can do mentally, mental activities that boost the growth of neurons, of, that keep our brains not only maintaining, but even thriving as we hit middle age and older. How does that sound to you, Mary? It sounds fascinating, and it sounds like something I need to focus on. Okay, so. well, let's talk about it. So I have some good news. What's that? You know how for a long time we believed that the brain just stopped growing, lost all its elasticity as we aged, right? Right. I've always heard you didn't build new neurons after 13. It was just all dropping off the charts. Yeah. Well, research has found a whole different version of what's actually happening with the brain because it seems that the middle-aged mind is not only maintaining many of the abilities that we had when we were younger, but it's actually acquiring some new ones. Excellent. Yeah. So the brain is, um, it's such an amazing organism. It's actually capable of rewiring itself as it gets older. I think that's really important. It's super important. And also research is finding that the middle-aged mind is calmer, less neurotic, and better able to sort through social situations. Some of us even have improved cognitive abilities. Interesting. Sometimes I can feel that. I can feel myself understanding some mental concept more clearly than I ever have. That is really interesting. I, what I'm thinking of is being able to project into, taking the time to project into the future and decide, do I want to engage in that or do I not want to engage in that? Whereas when I was younger, it was just jump into situations and then decide, how am I going to get out of here? So more impulsive. Right. Less bringing it to the brain and actually intellectualizing. Right. Yeah. Well, one thing you said was it being calmer. Is I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with taking time to make a decision now, whereas it was uncomfortable. I had to make those immediate decisions. I had to act. I think that's termed the rashness of youth, isn't it? <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. And we're known for, as we get older, just sitting back in the rocking chair and kind of reflecting on things before we move forward. And that really um, goes with studies on the brain and what's happening with our brain. So this is so interesting. When we're younger... We use often just one side of the brain, one hemisphere to do an activity, right? But as we age, oftentimes both hemispheres will join together to perform the same activity. When you say both hemispheres, if I understand correctly, like one side is more creative and kind of draws from creative aspects and one side is more kind of analytical and based on tried and true techniques. Yes. So when we're younger, we'll operate either more creatively or more analytically. And as we age, we're capable to kind of move easily between those two extremes? 
Yes, that and the fact that perhaps one hemisphere can't do it as well on its own anymore. So no. because the brain can rewire, it's like, oh, needing a little extra help. So now both hemispheres are jumping in. We're able to do the task as well, sometimes even better than we did as youth. Mm -hmm. Well, it makes sense if I can use both sides of the brain. Yeah, so our brain is an amazing tool that we can count on to just be there for us if we take good care of it. Right. So we talked a little bit about all the physical things we could do to take care of it. Are there some things that we do mentally to take care of it well, as well? Well, let me ask you, how do you think stress helps our brain? Or doesn't well, help the brain? I would say, I mean, I can think for myself, I don't think stress helps my brain at all because when I'm under stress... I tend to fall back to predictable ways to respond to something. I don't know that I even really use my brain as much as I go into survival mode, eyes wide open, heartbeat faster, and try to find some way out of the stress. In other words, I think that we get stuck in the amygdala, the, oh, the primal okay. part of the brain, right? Fight and flight. And we're, right. not, we're not using the prefrontal cortex, which reasons and thinks and has values. So... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, what we're finding is a little stress now and then is great, you know, produces cortisol mm -hmm. and all that. But as um, if we get this chronic stress, even chronic mild stress, it is detrimental to our brain health. Wow. How do we avoid chronic mild stress? It seems like everything I do is chronic mild stress, even getting here today is I was coming down the road. I planned to be here at a certain time. And there was an obstacle. There was somebody moving this huge mobile home in the road. It's a one-lane road, so I wasn't going anywhere. So, you know, I mean, there's no planning around things like that. But that's not chronic, right? That, that came and then it went. Yes. But I think we're, we're constantly in the face of the next stress. I think we are. And you know what? We're going to do a podcast on the spiritual side of brain health and it's very much going to dive into how to deal with the stresses that come mm -hmm. and go and what we see in people who meditate regularly and how those stresses mm -hmm. affect their brains very differently than those who don't have spiritual practices. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for that one. Okay. <laughs> one of the other things that occurs to me is we're, as we age, I find that I have much less stress in my life now than I did when I was younger, when my son was younger, when my work was more demanding. Now I can make those choices. And I think I've mentioned before a time when I was really under a lot of stress with my new my new work and my husband pulled me aside and said, you work for yourself now, right? And it was like, yeah. And he was like, you don't have to be stressed. You know, you can choose to be stressed, but now you're your boss. So who are you, who are you working for? And it was that huge awakening. I think as we get older, we're more we're more likely, we're more able to look our stress in the eye and decide if we want to take it on or not. I think that's true to some extent, but also we have the aging parent. We have, we're have we much uh, more likely to have physical stuff going on than we did when we were younger. So, you know, it's a balance. Stresses. It can be different stresses. Yeah, I mean... I think you and I are both very fortunate right now to be in a place where we're okay and yeah. and our parents are both gone. Right. So they're, they're, we're not passed. dealing with those stresses and yet a lot of people in our age mm -hmm. group are. So I want to talk to you about this fascinating field called neurogenesis. Neurogenesis. Yeah, the title's not so fascinating. <laughs> but the idea is, again, where, where we used to think that the brain just shrunk and stopped working as we ate, 
engaged. This is an act. This is actual research into what is happening in our brain as we get older, and what it's finding is that though we're not producing as many new brain cells as we used to, we are still producing them. I mean, That's every good. day, seven hundred new brain cells getting born, and um, interestingly. The, when we do this, if these brain cells thrive, then we are happier. And yep. if the brain cells are deprived and re, you know, they die, they get depleted, then we can tend toward depression. Wow. So they've discovered with, uh, with the drugs they often give to cancer patients, um, which of course restricts the cancer cells from growing, but it also restricts the brain cells from growing or thriving. Right. Then often depression is a side effect that cancer patients experience. And so if we can do, and we will go into this, do things that, that keep these new neurons growing and thriving and mm-hmm. um, just encourage them uh, every single day, then we are going to make a big difference in our mood and in our level of cognition. Excellent. Yeah. So let's talk about what can help that. I should say also that these neurons are growing only in the hippocampus in the human brain. And the hippocampus is memory and learning and mood and emotions. So to encourage the growth of of these um, neurons, uh, we want we would talk about diet, which we did already, and mm-hmm. exercise, which we did already. Also, learning. Mm-hmm. So even if you tie an activity and you go and you learn how to line dance or ballroom dance or whatever, I mean, your brain is learning new things even as your body is moving. So the two are very tied in. Right. So there's that. There's, you know, picking up the crossword puzzle or mm-hmm. um, reading, any kind of reading you do that that, that makes you have to think. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many ways to mm-hmm. get our brain learning and growing new languages is very helpful. Yeah. One thing I came across, because I was I knew we'd be talking about this, and it talked about those puzzles and games like Sudoku or, or crossword puzzles. And one of the things I read was it said, keep challenging yourself to up your skill level. That simply staying at the, you know, at the easy ones that I do on the Sudoku, it although it may be easy for you to fill in the whole page, it's not working new neural pathways. But you pull out the medium or you pull out the hard and you just even if you're not finishing them, the challenge is the thing, right? Yes, the it's challenge like is the thing. Because getting your, your brain to struggle. Firing. Your brain's going, is that a three or a four? Is it a three or a four? Right, yeah, because you've got these new brain cells, and as they um, mature, then they start to connect with the whole brain. So we really want things firing. We want to be thinking and in our prefrontal cortex. Right. I was recently editing a section in a book about this mental stimulation and brain health. One of the exercises that he wrote out in the book was to challenge yourself. Say you were waiting for your airplane. Note the flight number of the flight before yours and where it's headed. And then once you get on your plane and you can't see it, see if you can recall that information. Kind of struggle, you know, challenging yourself 
for um, noticing things. He would say, you get into a place, you're in a restaurant, you're waiting in line, count how many chairs there are, and then see if you can remember that when you're away from it. I love that. So constantly get the brain noticing things Mm -hmm. and working and remembering. Right. Right, because we tend to, one of, that is one of the areas where the middle-aged mind tends to start slipping is memory. Mm-hmm. And I just had to laugh when I first started teaching gentle yoga, which naturally is, is mostly populated by older people. Yes. Um, I, would, I, I would introduce myself and I would say, you know, I probably won't remember your name because I'm really bad with names. And they would go, oh, yeah. You know, because this is an area where we tend to be slipping. So mm-hmm. what I'm finding is I am focusing more on really getting a name to a face and remembering that. Mm-hmm. And I notice that I'm getting better at it. Yeah. So don't give up on your brain. Your I brain th- has amazing elasticity. Well, I think, too, the remembering things. I find that I forget when I'm distracted. So if I'm writing something down, I'm answering the phone, I'm watching something or listening to something, and you tell me something, I will forget it. But if I turn my attention away from all these distractions and look at you while you're talking, I'm more likely to remember what it is you said to me. And that is a super good point because actually one of the areas that we do lose some capacity is in multitasking right so to yeah be more one pointed (laughs) i really noticed that loss of multitasking yeah so as you say the remedy and it's probably much more healthy for us on every level is to be present and one pointed in whatever we're doing and not try to juggle five balls at once right and bringing your attention to it i remember a really silly technique that someone told me years and years ago but i still use it on occasion so if you have trouble remembering where you put your keys, for example, she said she would set her keys down. And now the first day, I'm going to give you one violent example, then one happy example, which was you imagine that if your keys were to explode, you imagine the damage that would be done in the region that you put the keys down. So you put your keys down on the counter and you stop for just a minute and imagine, oh my gosh, if my keys exploded, this whole counter would be destroyed and you envision that. Then when you go to find them, you go and of course your counter hasn't blown up. So that's really good. And I was talking to someone about this technique and she didn't like the violence of it. So she would put her things down and she would imagine that suddenly flowers sprang up from the keys. And so you put the keys in the car door and then you imagine your whole car door is filled with these flowers that are growing from the keys. It's again, it causes you to pause for a minute, bring your attention to this and anchor it in some way. That's beautiful. And the visualization, you're using another part of your brain when you're Mm -hmm. visualizing. So you're creating more mental focus on what you've done with those keys. Right. That's a lovely idea. And and the whole recalling people's names. Um, I was told a long time ago that when you meet somebody and they tell you their name, you move your index finger just very slightly so no one else has to notice. And you write their name on their forehead. Oh. And then when you see them again, you visualize that name there. Okay, I like that. Yeah, so these little mental memory associations can be mm-hmm. very helpful for the brain. I like those. I like the, I like the tricks. I like yeah. mental tricks for my brain. I do too. And I want to talk for a minute about a study they did with pilots, younger pilots versus older pilots. Okay. Um, so cognitive skills in the aging brain. This is, this is a place with pilots that they've been studied extensively. And what they found is that with older pilots, there are declines in processing speed and memory capacity, kind of as we've been discussing. But their overall 
performance is the same as the younger. Hmm. Uh, and it's because the brain is jumping in and doing, uh, you know, we've got the two hemispheres going in other areas. So what it what they found ultimately is that whereas older pilots take longer to learn to use simulators, for example, they did a better job than their younger colleagues at achieving the objective of avoiding collisions. Oh. So it might take longer to learn something new, but once it's incorporated, you might even be better at it than the young. Interesting. They can apply it. Yeah. So, you know, there, there is a lot of really good research out there. Not too much of it. The middle-aged brain hasn't been studied that much. Mostly researchers have just assumed that it's in the middle between young and old, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's not necessarily so. So um, a lot of it is also learning that the amygdala you know, that, that part of us that is primal fear um, and reactivity, that as we get older, it responds less. Hmm. So we, we are more drawn to positive things, and the amygdala is not as active. So that, that is another. They have found that as people get older, they're less stressed, they're calmer, and you can see if that part of us is going, oh, we should be very afraid, you know, is not really as active, that that's what's going on in our brain. Hmm. So, Janae, you've talked some about, like, mental stimulation, looking for things that are going to keep the brain young. And one thing I came across was challenging yourself to learn something new. And I read a study that was done with, um, they took a group of people in their 60s and they measured their cognitive abilities. Then they had one group do nothing different from their ordinary and the other group worked on Sudoku and crossword puzzles. And the third group, they challenged to learn digital photography. And they found at the end of six weeks, the people who were trying something new the digital photography, even if they didn't get it at all, they still had had cognitive gains. The people doing the Sudoku and crossword puzzles hadn't lost any cognitive ability, but they hadn't built a bunch of new cognitive ability. But maybe they weren't challenging themselves to, to increase it. But the people who had done nothing did begin to show some level, even slight, of cognitive decline. I was encouraged recently because I got something in the mail about Great Courses, which is, I don't know, some company that does great courses, I guess. But they were doing a sale and it was, I looked at this and I thought, oh, maybe I should challenge myself to learn something. I've wanted mm. to kind of reinvest time in learning and enhancing my drawing ability. They had a course on drawing. They had nice. a course on cooking. They had a course on photography, you know. And I thought this is the kind of thing someone could do because it doesn't have to be in a classroom setting. It could be in um, any kind of setting, just yeah. challenging yourself. Yeah. And, you know, online there are so many resources. You can attend mm -hmm. university classes for free online these days. There's right. so many opportunities for learning. And you're right, mm -hmm. something like drawing or painting, other crafts, all of that, too, stimulates the brain, helps the brain right. to and be challenged. And something new and different. Like, I was never good with perspective, you know, I did more cartoon type drawing and this was, I thought, oh, I'd really challenge myself to try, try something different like that. I find one of my challenges is I forget the things I'm interested in, not in a depressed way where people lose interest in, you know, they don't find the things that they used to find joy in. I just kind of forget. I, I come away and I focus on my work and I'm writing or I'm preparing for a class or a workshop and I forget to have fun. Yeah. 
I, I think too that we've been very focused on raising children and, you know, the whole family thing. And this mm-hmm. is a, a time when we're, we're having to rediscover what we like to do and what, what challenges us and what we enjoy. And I love your point that we don't have to be good, like at the, the digital photography. We don't actually have to be good at it. We just have to be challenging our minds. Right. And I think it's so important to look for something that you want to get into. You know, it's easy for me to say, oh, you should be walking every day. But maybe walking is like, oh, God, I'm going to hate that. But you think, well, but I'd like to dance. Or swim. Or swim or anything. So I think leaving it open and exploring what feels really good, what feels really good to you. Another thing I came across, which I thought sounded really fun, they said, just look at your schedules and mix them up a little bit. Mm. You know, if you always take the same route in to work, you know, changing it up. What happens if you take a different route? Yeah, you think about the brain maps wherever you go. So if you're changing your route, the brain's having to rewire and go, oh, okay, new stuff happening here. Right, and reassess and change. It's just change it up because the brain, like you had said, it just gets set into that rut and we want to challenge it. And that's a simple thing we can do is, you know, just putting something on the other side, sleeping on the other side of the bed or putting the mouse, this was again in the book that I was editing recently, he said, working his mouse with his left hand instead of his right uh-huh. works new neural pathways. I, and I tried to think about that, and my mind immediately rejected it. <laughs> That's far too difficult. <laughs> right, but the, the, yeah, switch it up. Like, mm-hmm. just going through your normal day going, how can I switch things up? Yeah. Heck, you could brush your teeth with your left hand for a change. Oh, my gosh. See, and my left hand is, is hang, hanging here. It's it's it, My left hand is jumping up going, yes, yes, use me. And my right hand is saying, get back in your place. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do very much with my left hand. Mm-hmm. So I, Even stimulating conversation. Oh, my gosh, know? yes. Listening to podcasts that challenge the way you think. Mm-hmm. Or TED Talks. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much out there now that mm-hmm. can really help us with mm-hmm. our brain functionality. One thing is really great talking about jumping from that podcast, TED Talks things, is then taking it a step further and engaging and talking to someone about it. What did, you know, what was it for you? How did you interpret that? Was it something you found valuable? Having even just that conversation stimulates the brain. Yes, and if it's not something that can happen like with a friend, you can join a book club. There there are so many clubs out there now that mm-hmm. with others of similar interests. Right. I think that's a big thing. Yeah, a lot of libraries offer free classes um, and you know, free kind of get-togethers. There, there's so much out there. There really is. Okay, so here's the thing. Instead of thinking that getting older is a crisis for our brains. We can have hope because middle age, we can think of middle age as a time for a new form of self-investment, like a time when we can really up the ante for our cognitive abilities. So this is a great time. It's an exciting time and we're pioneers standing in a new frontier. Am I being motivational enough? (laughs) I'm feeling inspired. (laughs) I'm going to go study something new. (laughs) All right. Way to go. Well, thanks for listening to the Aging Gracefully podcast. It's Janae Anderson. And Mary Thompson signing off. Thanks for listening to the Aging Gracefully podcast. Subscribe and stay up to date with all the latest episodes at aginggracefullypodcast.com. 
And while you're there, leave us a comment or a question. We welcome your voice in the conversation.